At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 193. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, what's going on, buddy? Not a whole lot. I was telling you off air, like the most exciting thing that happened today is I put up two boards of live edge wood on my wall so I can hang my guitars. My guitars were already hanging. I was just like, I want to make sure they're extra safe. So I put that up. (laughs) That was my day. There you go. It was a very nice day, like weather wise here on Long Island. So I was like in my happy place there's nothing something about driving on the lie with the windows down blasting music just puts me in a completely different mood it's the best yeah well when you can actually drive i've been down the lie and sometimes there's not a lot of driving going on but um, sometimes you hit it at the right time the sun's going you got a right like the righteous jam going perfect that is perfect absolutely um before we get started, uh, I, I hear we have a, a little word to talk about, correct? We have to talk about Earth Echo Foods. And, and instead of reading the whole thing verbatim, we're allowed to improvise a little yeah, bit when it comes to these. So I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of that. So I keep saying with Earth Echo Foods, it's like you could put them in a, in a smoothie in a drink. Well, you could do a whole lot more than just that. So they have 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun. This time I'm reading just bear with me maintaining its miraculous health benefits that we were we then blend them with turmeric mct oil coconut himalayan sea salt oh cinnamon and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have so i talked about how you could put it in a a smoothie well you can make chocolate with it like just actual chocolate it's a blend you put it together you actually make chocolate that you can dip as like fondue you can put it in your brownies you can put it in your coffee let's sprinkle that over top your coffee in the morning Mm. Anyways, they're offering 15% off when you use code MINUTE15 at earthechofoods.com slash minutemedia. That's earthechofoods.com slash minutemedia. Code MINUTE15 for 15% off your bag of cacao bliss to put in anything. Anything. Brownies. Strawberries. When you put chocolate on. Coffee. Anything at all. Hot chocolate. Put it. Earthechofoods.com is our sponsor today. There you go. So with that... We can jump into today's episode because we do have a lot to get to tonight, Mitch. And we're going to start with the offense, which is uh, deader than dead. That might be an insult to death to compare the Islanders' offense to it because whatever the Islanders are doing right now, it can't get much worse. At least death is going around killing people, right? It's doing its job. Our offense is not doing its job at all. 
No, no. The, the glaring one, and I keep bringing this up, whether it's in post games or on the site in articles, in their last 11 games, seven of them, they have scored one goal or less. That's and insane, Mitch. You can't win that way. You Even in Barry Trotz, Lou Lamorella world, you can't win with scoring. What is the average there? 1.67 goals for per game in that 11-game stretch? It's brutal. You can't win hockey games that way, man. No. That's just not how it's done. Uh, even worse, over the last three games, they have scored a whole zero five-on-five goals. Zero. Like, how? What? Yeah, they had those three goals on, on special teams a couple of the games ago, right? But, like, they haven't scored one five-on-five five goal over the last three. That cannot happen. No, I don't know how that does happen, to be quite honest with you. that That's jarring that they've gone that long without a five-on-five five goal. As you tend to say when you quote whatever stats you have that are five-on-five five stats, a majority of the game is played at five-on-five. Five. So if you can't figure it out in the way that the game is supposed to be played, I'm sorry, that's not enough. I don't really, like, sure, in, in a vacuum, great. I'm glad that we have a couple power play goals to go along with this uh, this offensive struggle. Like, okay, at least they're getting something on the power play, sure. But it's not enough. It's just not, and you need at least a little bit of consistency to that offense, but I have no clue where it's coming from. Well, so that's the thing, right? Like, teams could get by with... Uh, sorry, teams can't get by without five-on-five five production. Like, you can get by without scoring much on the power play. We've seen the Islanders do exactly that for the last three years now, right? Like, their power play is just dog crap. Uh, but they still manage to win because they play well at five-on-five. Five. But they can't do either of those now. They can't win. They can't score five-on-five, five, and they can't score on the power play to save their life. Yes, they have those two power play goals from the other day, but outside of that, it's nothing. So, like, they're not getting the man advantage. And it's not like they're getting calls left, right, and center and have 200 power play opportunities up to the, up to this year, uh, up to the end of the season so far. That they, they just don't have that those type of opportunities. So they don't have the opportunity to get the power play out there. They don't do well when it does get out there. And then they don't score at five on five. How do you expect to win a game? Magic. I mean, that's what they have to hope for right now. <laughs> Is that just some magic fairy comes by and says, like, I bless you with five on five scoring prowess. Turned into, like, a smoker in the end there. (laughs) But that's the thing. Like, I understand Barry Trotz loves his defensive hockey. And, you know, for the most part, the Islanders are very good defensively. And and in net, they've been phenomenal all year long. But even, I think he would admit that you you can't win this way. You just can't. You can't do it. If you're scoring one goal a game more often than not, it's not enough. I, I don't know, man. Like, Remember last year when he lost that, that fourth line for an extended period of time? And then he came back at the end of the season saying, like, yeah, we overcoached. We tried to do to do more offensive things because we didn't have the defensive you know, tools to do it. Next time we run into that situation, which kind of seems like they're in now, we're going to double down. So not just play full-on defense, double full-on defense. And you're like, how the hell do you expect to win a game? I understand. Like you said, you know, sometimes the best offense is good defense and defense wins championships, right? But you've got to get there first. And at this rate, they're not getting there. No, they're not. It's it's painful right now to watch them try to generate anything offensively at all. They've changed the lineup a million times. We're going to get into that in a little bit here. But just overall, that's my biggest takeaway. Last week, we were talking about 
oh my god, uh, the preview of the big three game set, and we were like, the Islanders have to take two of three. Well, they took none of them. They got one point. That's not enough. That's real. Well, obviously, like that's we could all see that that's not enough. Look, even the Ottawa Senators are playing 500 hockey right now. The Ottawa Senators. Yeah, and comparatively, the Islanders have been bad for a couple of weeks now. The trade deadline did not help them, and they they brought in Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak to help mitigate their offensive struggles after losing Anders Lee, and we haven't seen a change. If you can make the case that it's gotten worse somehow. Yeah, that's. I, that's the thing, right? Because you're, you're right. Over the last two weeks, well, since the trade deadline, the Islanders have regressed hard. Like, they don't show up for most games. And you're going, guys, we just made, we being Lou at this point, made a big trade to bring in two, you know, maybe not like mind-blowing pieces, but good pieces that should fill in the gaps that we have and give the Islanders what they need to progress. Look, we all thought the second that this trade was made, boom, Islanders, they've got what they the need to, to push to the next level. We're good. And it has had the absolute opposite effect on the team. And it doesn't make sense because Lou knows, and I'm using air quotes here, what guys to bring in. He knows what guys are going to fit in the culture that he's, he's bringing in or that he's building. He knows these guys personally. But it doesn't seem to work. And I don't think it's that these guys don't mesh. I think it's that the system is so damn rigid that there's no flexibility there. There's no give until these players adapt fully to the system, which that it takes a while, man. It does. I it does. It's crazy that it takes so long though. And especially it's like it's two veterans. They've been around the league a long, long, long time. They can't figure it out. Especially well, I, Zajac, because he was there with Lamarillo in New Jersey. And I know Lamarillo is not the one calling the show. It's Barry Trotz's system. I understand that. But I, I, I'm just so confused with how big of a gap it seems to be whenever they bring someone else in. Well, and that's the thing. We talked about it on the, on the Patreon show as well. Like It seems that you need a two-week training camp to learn the Barry Trot system. If you don't have that, you're not going to get it until you get that two-week training camp. Look at Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. Had no idea what he was doing for those seven games with the Islanders. And it's not like he's a bad player. He's a really good player. Look how he's been with the Islanders since he got here. Well, it's after, sorry. Yeah, since yeah. that, that two-week training camp, you know, mid-season uh, last year. Since then, he's been lights out, incredible for the Islanders. But before that, man, he didn't know what was what. And it's the same thing now. It really seems that this system is just way too rigid and doesn't allow for any sort of flexibility within it, which you have to have because you've got to bring guys in. Like, injuries happen, right? Like, Adam Pella goes down, boom, the whole thing collapses. Anders Lee goes down, same thing. Pile, you know, house of cards, everything comes down, and there's no way to build it back up. There's no, no. inherent mechanism within the system to do, okay, I recognize that something is changing. We, we must now adapt. That doesn't seem to be built into the system. It's either we do this or die. I guess, but the, the weird thing is, and I know Palmieri isn't a one-for-one -one replacement for Anders Lee, but they essentially replace Anders Lee with a someone who usually puts in 25 goals a year and a good veteran third-line guy. So they, they essentially... I don't know. Upgrade isn't necessarily a fair word, but they got a piece they were looking for because they, even if Anders Lee didn't get hurt, supposedly they were looking to add another winger on the third line. We heard that for a while. And then you get a top six player. Sure, they don't play the same role as Anders Lee. No one's saying that, you know, 
Patrick Palmieri does that. How the offense has then gotten those two pieces, and as we've reiterated time and time again, just on this episode alone, and done nothing, like, that's the crazy thing to me. Like, why wouldn't Palmieri just get that call and just from from trots, I'm saying, from the coaching staff and say, okay, I know that this isn't making sense right now. Uh, clearly, we're not getting it. Let's put you with Matt Barzal, and all you do have to do is keep up with him and try to get as many pucks on net as possible and see if that can fix your scoring woes. You would think, and they haven't tried that yet. And so getting back to your point, because I think this is a good one, like they have made an upgrade. If you look at the roster now, and we're going to get into lineups later, I don't want to mm-hmm. talk about the lineup particularly just now, uh, but just talking about the pieces that went in and the pieces that are going out, and by going out, I mean like off of the off of the roster or out of the lineup. Michael Del Cole, Leo Komarov out for what is essentially Cal Palmieri and Travis Zajac. Any way you look at it, those are upgrades. Yes. Travis Zajac for for Leo Komarov, upgrade. Kyle Palmieri for Michael Del Cole, upgrade. Either way, flip those two around, it's still an upgrade. But somehow, this is still not working at, like, not even close. There's no realm that you can kind of argue, going, well, if you look at these numbers, no, none of it is working. No, it's, again, I keep going back to the word jarring, but I I am stunned because everyone, the consensus seemed to be when the Islanders landed those two guys is, oh my God, like, this team is going for it, and they're going to be a legit cup contender. And while they are still going to be a playoff team, they're not, there's no way they're falling out of the playoff picture. It They don't look like a team that could contend for a Stanley Cup as of this second. Who knows what happens in the remaining games? Maybe the offense comes alive. We hope, we pray. But as currently constructed, you are not winning games, even in the playoffs. I know they like to say, oh, the playoff hockey is different. I get it. You're not winning scoring one goal a game. I understand you have two great goalies. It's just not sustainable. Yeah, you're right. Like, and I, I mentioned something earlier about like not not getting there in terms of looking at the playoffs. And I really mean over these last three games, if they keep picking up one out of six, they're not going to make it. But you're right. The the odds of that happening are very low because they have teams again. They get games against teams like the Buffalo Sabers and the New Jersey Devils coming up. So, and no disrespect to them, they aren't really playing good hockey at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, the likelihood of Islanders picking up points against them are very high. However. With that being said, I don't understand the whole, like, the playoffs is totally different. Click. I I get to an extent, like, the playoffs are different because when you get on the ice, you're all juiced up because you know there's something on the line. There's still something on the line here. It might not be the same thing that's on the line per se, but you still have to do, you still have to win the games to get there. If you keep playing this way, you're backing into the playoffs hard. And what kind of momentum are you carrying into that series? None. None at all. And then for some row, you expect, like, we're good guys. We backed in hard. We're, we basically don't deserve to be here, but we're here on merit because of what we did, like, four months ago. But, like, damn it, we're there. Let's go. That's what? No, because you're thinking, like, we just lost a ton of games. What the hell is wrong with us? Right. And sometimes it does happen, but I don't believe in, like, okay, now we can just flip the switch and be fine. Like, I don't buy it. Do you? No, because if so, why aren't you flicking that switch now? <laughs> now yeah. Great point. <laughs> All I can think of is like, you know, the meme of like the person like keep on hitting the button. That's the one. Yeah, it should be anyway. But it's that's to me the biggest takeaway from this week going last week's episode was all OK. Previewing Islanders should take two or three. 
this week and consensus from those three games is, oh my God, this offense is putrid. This offense, this offense is putrid, and now I worry about the Washington Capitals. Of course, yes. Right, like they they completely dominated us for three games, and they made it look easy. Sorry, and by three games I mean like eight of nine periods. There's the one period in the first game where they were the Islanders were shot out of a cannon and were incredible, yep. and then they they died after that. Yeah, who knows what happened there? But you're right. The Islanders have essentially played one good period of their last nine. That's bad. That's bad. They haven't been the same team since they weren't able to score on that five-minute major against Philly. They haven't been the same team. No, that was it. The beginning of the end. Right. They need to take. They need to kill a five-minute major. Leo Komarov has to go out there and do something stupid. I, I hope he doesn't. But like, this is just the hypothetical situation. You know, talking about like, you know, getting the, the, the. We're talking about magic situations here. Like, get a five-minute major kill off, and maybe that gets the monkey off your back. Like. I don't know what the hell they have to do, but that seems to be the, the only way going forward that they can maybe start scoring again because they've done everything else. They've played around with the lineup. They've um, they've tried a different way of playing, kind of, uh, at least at 5-on-5, five five, and it's not working at all, right? Because no. they tried to like just, just shoot from anywhere, right? That first period in the last game, they were shooting from everywhere, and they only managed seven shots on net, but still, they tried, and it didn't work, and then they just kind of fell back in their shell and then died. Yep, 100%. So any anything else on the offense, or have we beaten this to death? I think we've definitely beaten it to death. Like, even on my last point, I was like, I'm running in circles here, man. There's nothing more you can say about this than just kind of, like, put your hands up and go, like, Barry Trotz, you're getting paid big bucks to figure this out. Let's go. Absolutely. So with that good transition here, the lineup, because it seems like it's a topic every single week, but the lineup's been changing so often. We have to cover some of the different changes and what's worked and what hasn't, and nothing's really working right now. So let's just get into the different lineups they've had and, and just thoughts on that. So do you want to go based off what they've got now and then kind of talk about what it is? Uh, yes. Do we like it? Do we not? And then what will we do kind of thing? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, so let's start with line one, start up top. Josh Bailey, Matthew Barzell, Jordan Eberle. That's what they did last game. Would you keep that? No, I wouldn't keep it. I don't think it didn't show me enough. It was the one game that they that they did that for. Uh, previously, Travis Zajac was up there and that experiment didn't go, really go too well either. So I, I am changing it. I would say get rid of it. Yeah, like... <laughs> I understand the idea. Josh Bailey can be a pretty good player, uh, a good setup man. Uh, but it's a complete opposite of what, uh, maybe not complete opposite, but not even close to what Leo Komarov, Travis Zajac are, right? Like, well, maybe not. Maybe he's he's an upgrade on Travis Zajac. If you're looking for like a cerebral player, a guy who's smart, knows where to be, knows what to do, uh, Josh Bailey is that, but he's got better skills than Travis Zajac. Yes. Whereas... Leo Komarov is a very poor man's Anders Lee. Very poor man. Oh, yes. Why not try something different? Let's put a volume shooter up there, right? Someone who's just going to, the second he gets the puck on his stick, boom, it's going to the net. I don't, I'm not oh, even ooh. looking. The second I feel it there, it's going. And I know we're getting giddy for OW, but I'm mm. not talking about him. Oh. Why not Kyle Palmieri? We talked about him earlier. Yeah, that, that to me just, it makes too much sense. Like, since he was brought in here, most people, and I know, you know, people put together lineups where he wasn't on the top line, but the thought was, okay, come in, take Anders Lee's spot, because that was clearly a, a black hole, and put in with Barzal and Eberle. 
And they really haven't outside just a couple of minutes together. I just don't get it, man. It, it just makes too much sense. And like you said, they brought him in to play in the top six. He's playing middle six. That's it. And I, I don't understand why. Like, he's just it's just not working in the situation that he's being put in. Uh, we saw it yesterday. He had one shot on net, one, and that was on the power play, right? That that one good stop that uh, Vanacek made on the power play. That's it. That's all we saw from Kyle Palmieri. And, like, when you look at his, his uh, deployment, he's playing with Brock and, and Zajac, which is still an offensive line, but they're not... They're more of a shutdown line that is supposed to maybe generate some offense. Put him on a pure offense line. Just put him out there... P- Kyle, like you said earlier, go out there and shoot your heart out, baby. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I I think that just makes sense because as we've mentioned, they they need to get more offense and, and shots going or things happening towards the net. And I think Palmieri gives them the best chance to do that and has the best chance of burying whatever Matt Barzell is dishing them. Exactly. Second option I would do there, and I know we're focusing a lot on the first line, but that's really the one that we have to get going because we're talking about needing scoring. What about Brock Nelson up there? You absolutely could because Travis Zajac is a center at nature, so you 100% could do that. Yeah. Why why not put Brock up there? That's a left shot on the left wing. He's not Anders Lee. He will not play that role very well. But you talk about volume shooter and a guy that's got a good shot and a good set of hands. Why not? And he's played wing a lot. Yeah, not in a while, but he for early in his career, yes. That maybe seventeen, eighteen was the last time he did it. I think, right? Yeah, the the year before Trotz came in, uh, and he made him a center, and he made him a damn good center. And Brock is a good center, and I'm sure he wants to stay playing center. But when you're saying like Brock, I need your top line, buddy. Can you play like eighteen minutes a night with Matthew Barzell? And all I want you to do is shoot on net. I can't see him saying no. I'm going to say, I was just going to say, he's not going to complain about that. Get more ice time and probably score more goals playing with Matt Barzal. That sounds good to me. Sure. Why, why the hell not, right? And then we can get into the second line, right? Like transitions in there. If you move Brock Nelson up, like you said, you could put Travis Zajac down the middle. That works. Yeah, and then JG Pajot just goes to line two, Zajac line three, and uh, Sezikis line four. Right, so then your second line would then be Beauvilliers, Peugeot, Wallstrom. That's yes. a great second line. It's already a great third line. Give him a few more minutes. Why the hell not? Yes, I'm with it. Okay. And then your third line, Bailey, Zajac, and, uh, and Eberle, right? No. Yeah, no. Kyle Mary, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Right? And we can squabble over, like, the third line. Like, the minutes are probably going to be identical, right, between that, that second and third line. Uh, and I know we complained earlier about, like, Pal Mary should be a middle six guy, but and we made him one here. This is assuming they're not going to try putting him up up top. Right. This is just an alternative option, which is not a bad one. I like it. Right. Because, like, you got the second line with Bo Peugeot-Wallstrom. That works. We know that. They're already, according to Daily Faceoff, the seventh best third line in the NHL. So That's good. That's good. Uh, I don't imagine they would be the seventh best second line in the NHL, but... They could be a darn good one for us. Currently, our second line is the 20th best in the NHL, so mm. <laughs> it's maybe yeah, it's the great. same. Uh, and then your third line, like you said, you got a capable second line center or third line center, Travis Zajac, who's on pace for like 40 points before he got here. So that's good. Right. And then you got Palmieri, who knows exactly what to do with Zajac down the middle. 
and then you put Bailey on the left. That sounds like a pretty good veteran line to give you some secondary scoring. I like that third line a lot, actually. Right, and you get them some cushy matchups because they're third line. Why the hell not? Yeah, I like that a lot. Okay, and then fourth line stays the same. Yeah, and then the fourth line stays the same, of course. I've seen talk about putting uh, Komarov in Clutterbuck's spot, which I'm okay for, uh, but Barry Trotz isn't going to do that until he's not here any, at all. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't expect any change there. Uh, but I, that second option is really intriguing, and I know I'll, most people are going to say that's pretty taboo because Brock Nelson's a good second-line center, which is true. But, I mean, how often do we see teams that are deep down the middle take one of their um, centers and move them to wing to try to get some spark? Right? Like, at some point, you got to put Gino and, and Crosby together. Um, of course, most of the time, that's on five on five. But, like, when they're very desperate, they try that. Yeah. it's. I think in a desperate situation, like the Islanders are in now, I would give it a go. I really would. And... I think maybe the big thing we got to take away from this when we're just talking about the forward lineup because we got to get to the defense in a bit um, is it's maybe not that these changes need to be permanent, but they need to be instilled to try to get that feel good mo- moment again to get them feeling good about themselves and then right. go back to to what you were doing you know do well get yourself feeling good get a, a quote unquote win and then go forward from there. Yes, I'm with you on that. Okay. Um, do we think that Barry would do do any of those changes? No, maybe like double down and it'll be the Ross Johnston, Leo Komarov are back in the lineup and uh, they're in the top six as well. Yeah, left wing depth of Zajac. Um, what is the anyways, no, because he's not going to take off Bailey and Bo anyways. Let's quit the lulls and, and get to the blue line. The top pair stays together, right? And Pelic, Pelic. Yep. Nick Letty, Scott Mayfield. That stays together. Yes. But what about Andy Green and Braden Coburn? Braden Coburn should not play another minute for the New York Islanders. I, I don't understand why he played the other night. I, re- I really don't. And, and no. all due respect to him, um, he's had a good career. He's a Stanley Cup champion. He is He's no longer what the Atlanta Th- Thrashers drafted all those years ago. Um, no, he shouldn't be playing, man. No, that's that was your in case of emergency. Like you know, if like you have that five dollars in the back of your wallet that you never ever touch, that's what that trade was supposed to be. They give up a seventh rounder, a late seventh, for, even on top of that. So essentially, nothing for this guy. Him and Thomas Hickey are the five dollars in the back of your wallet that you don't want to ever touch. And for some reason, Barry Trotz got greedy and said, "I'm going to touch the money today." <laughs> I, I need it. I, I just, I have money somewhere else, but like I want to use this one because it's just convenient, right? Like that's all it was. It was mm-hmm. a substitution of convenience, unless, unless you know something's going on with Noah Dobson that we don't know. No one has said anything, so I don't imagine that's the case. Uh, but without, like, I understand when he played against Philly, right? Like a lot of people said, this is the perfect time. The Philly game doesn't really mean much. Let's see what we got. Well, it's not like he played well in that in that game. So what 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 did he show Barry Trotz in that one game and the subsequent practices since then that he's like, I gotta have this guy in a must win game against the Washington Capitals, and I'm gonna take out my defenseman that I'm grooming to be uh, my top pair guy. I don't know. I, I don't understand the logic behind it. I'm not gonna pretend to. Ever since Noah Dobson has come back from his COVID. 
Um, not he has not been treated the same. He was he's very much so kid gloves, and now back to the scratch pad is. I don't like it. Right, like, I understand. Like you know, COVID is a, a very real thing. Like reading that Marco Rossi piece. Oh my god! Like that was poor kid was like mom and dad please sleep in my room because i'm i'm scared that i'm gonna die in my sleep because of this disease or illness i should say um he seems fine he being uh sorry noah dobson the symptoms were very asymptomatic he says they're very minor uh but still i i can understand if that's what they're trying to do like we're taking kid gloves because of the whole covid thing it doesn't seem like that it really just seems like they're not happy with his production or whatever he's doing that they don't like and they're pulling him out to like teach him a lesson type of thing yeah it's i I don't think it's gonna work i don't think this is the time to do that either no like uh, there's a time and place and of course coach knows best uh usually it just seems strange to all of a sudden be like we need a teachable moment in a must-win game with only a handful of games left on the season where teams usually preach stability and, you know, walking or ending the year strong as you walk towards the playoffs, I'm going to flip everything around, which I get at a certain extent, and then even scratch guys I have no business scratching because whatever. I can. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. What, what other logic is there to apply in that situation? It just doesn't make sense. And why not scratch Andy Green? Is it because he's been in the league forever? Come on, man. It can't just be like, oh, he's got seniority. That doesn't apply here. Yeah, but he stinks. How about that? He has not played well. So why not take him out and put Braden Coburn in there? Or, or Thomas Hickey, even. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't swap. The, the the Green-Coburn pairing, though, was almost catastrophic. That can't happen again. No, and I don't think it will, although who knows. But, like, no, it, it cannot happen again. It really can't. No. Uh, luckily, though, in net, no problems. Well, yeah, so we had... Simeon Varlamov out for his birthday. It seems that he's picked up an owie. Uh, I imagine he'll be back. You know, two one two, uh, what nine twenty six save percentage on the year. Hopefully, he's back soon. Yeah, uh, but I say that, and then you realize we have Ilya Sorokin in there, who's been you know lights out aside from a game here and there. Exactly. There's a couple bumps along the way, but for the most part, he's been very, very, very solid. Yeah, because like they're not going to play Corey Schneider unless they absolutely have to, and that's like gun to the head. You're putting him out there. Uh, and right. that that will never happen. Hope <laughs> to God that will never happen. No, yeah, I don't. I very much so don't think it's going to happen. But like he, he's played well at the AHL level this year for Bridgeport. So, I, although I don't imagine that translates to the NHL for him, I really no, don't think so. No, no, no. I, th- I think it's. I, I think that ship has sailed. Unfortunately for him. Agreed. So we'll see. But, yeah, that's the lineup situation right now. I very My biggest takeaway, complimentary to the top line, please. Braden Coburn should never enter the lineup again. That's that. Yeah. We don't need to talk about the power play lineup, do we? <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that's it. Because there's not a whole lot you can do with that, right? Like, the pieces are the pieces. Uh, it is what it is. Unfortunately. Just it, move your feet, please. Yeah. Yes, that's the thing, right? Like, the, the fix seems to be how they use the players rather than who's out there. Exactly. So, want to get into prospects? Yeah. So, I I only have a few updates because only a few players are actually even playing. So, sure. Uh, I spoke to Matthias Rayanemi today. Uh, kid is prompt, man. Very prompt. Uh, he oh. called me at nine oh one. Like my phone went from nine to nine oh one as I was like getting my board set up. I had my phone in place, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna bring it up. 
uh, my contact form, and I'm about to hit the button, and it comes up Matias Rayanemi. Like, God damn, like this kid is on Love the that. ball, baby. I'm sure Lou loves that as well. Maybe yes. that's why he drafted him. I think he was just e- maybe not eager was the right word, but um, he wanted to get it maybe o- over with because he was going to speak to the Islanders uh, player development team after he got off the phone with me. Oh, okay. So he probably didn't want to keep them <laughs> keep them waiting, waiting. too long. Yeah, uh, because of me. Uh, anyways, so I spoke to him about the season, about what what uh, what his plans are uh, next year, what he expects he's going to be playing next year. Uh, he expectations that he stays where he is uh, in terms okay. of the team, um, but he fully expects that he'll be in the top four uh, for the team next year. He was playing more like third pair, number seven defenseman type of thing this year. Right. Okay. Yeah. I feel like that was the storyline with him most of the year, just trying to get some playing time. But if he's taking that leap into a much bigger role, then I think that's totally fair. Yeah. And like he doesn't turn 19 till September. Wow. Okay. So very, very young. Very young, big kid, like growing into that big frame of his. Um, you know all about that yourself. He's like your height type of thing. Yeah. It's that you're, there's a very long, awkward stage. Maybe that was just me because I'm. I'm just the awkward guy, but yeah, it's not an easy thing to grow into a six four frame. Exactly. So he's he's doing that and playing to like you know maybe not top four minutes. He's averaging fifteen minutes a night for for Lati. Um, but uh, yeah, so good things coming for him. Season's over unfortunately because they they lost uh, the game five in the opening round of the Liga playoffs to Rushland Ishkakov's TPS. Oh, okay. So they are now in the second round in the semi semifinals, which begins tomorrow, the 29th. Uh, against go. HIFK, which is the second-ranked team in the Liga. So it went lock, HIFK, TPS last year. And it should have been TPS number two just based off points, but HIFK was shut down because of COVID for two weeks, so they went with points percentage. Gotcha. Okay. So um, it, it's a close series between them during the regular season. I I, I don't know who's going to pull it out. It, it could go either way between uh, HIFK and TPS, but... TPS have made a lot of moves, and they have a lot of strength. I, I can see them pulling this one out. The only team that scares me, if I were them, would, would be the number one ranked team, which they just haven't been able to beat this year. Gotcha, which that kind of makes sense. So that that's their biggest threat. The best team in the league is their biggest threat. Yeah, exactly. So, like, that's not too bad. Um, Robin Sallow, still in the playoffs. They played Good. yesterday, and they won 3-2 to stave off elimination in the semifinals. So now they're going to a Game 5 which I believe is tomorrow as well. Let me just bring it up here if I, if you give me a second to find sure. it. Um, yes, they play tomorrow uh, at 2 p.m. our time. Uh, so like that, that'll be a game deciding whoever wins that goes to the SHL finals. Okay, so that's huge for them, clearly. That would be huge. If he loses, I would imagine he, he hops on the first available plane after he gets his visa, so that could be a month. Uh, and then and then flies in and joins the team wherever they are. Wherever they are at that point, right. Okay. Yeah. The Bridgeport Sound Tiger season will be over by then, so transferring to them because they're the only other team playing right now. They're playing well, actually, because of Spiz, mind you. Good. Thank uh, you, Spiz. Spiz started tuning in, and they just started winning. And the second he got out of quarantine, they started losing. Moral of the story, Spiz has to get back into quarantine life. <laughs> <laughs> Brooke isn't gonna like that. No. Um, but yeah, like so they they have three wins out of the last four games. Their last one they lost in overtime because Parker Wortherspoon took a uh, a hooking call in overtime. Not a good idea. Wonderful. 
Um, but like some of the kids are playing really well right now. Blake Jenkins has three points over two games. Arnaud Durando is putting up points, playing on the top line now. Otto Koivlo is putting up points. Dimitro Timoshov is showing up. Like things are working now for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. They're still going to be terrible. They only have like three games left on the year. Um, but they're they might they might be able to pass some of the bottom tier teams like the Ontario Rain and stuff like that. That'd be good. I, I like any kind of steps in the positive direction for that team because they've been bad for a couple of years now. They have been. So they also play tomorrow, one o'clock puck drop for and by tomorrow I mean probably today while you while you listen to this, uh, against the Providence Bruins who have been dynamite in the NHL, the AHL this year. Okay. That's that's all I've got in terms of prospect report. Oh, one more. Sorry, one more. Williams Fool, I don't think I mentioned this last time. Their team, sorry, or his team, sorry, the Drummondville Voltigeur, are playing in the QMJHL playoffs. He is not. He's still injured. Oh. He probably won't he won't be back for this series if they win. They lost today 4-2. He might be he might be available for the next series. Okay. So a little bit of a waiting game for him. Yeah, it, it's been a while since he's been out. Like he hurt his knee pretty good. Uh, but uh, he could be back for the next series if they make it there. Absolutely. So, okay, good information as always down on the farm. Shall we see how I fare in the quiz this week, Mitch? Let's see how you do. As we do every week, there's a mystery New York Islander for you, Matt, to guess. Uh, We are episode 193, so that has something to do with it. I know you haven't done your research, but I imagine some people have already. But you've got five clues to guess who this mystery New York Islander is. Are you ready? Let's do it. Clue number one. I was born in 86 and drafted in 2004 in the third round. Next. Sorry, I was drinking water. I thought you'd speak longer. Two. No, that's not me. (laughs) I've played on five NHL teams and the New York Islanders was the longest. I was tenured the longest with the Islanders. Five NHL teams. Next. Three. I've won one trophy in my career. One trophy in my career. Okay, next. I was brought in to share the load, and this is with the Islanders. I was brought in to share the load, but I ended up carrying it. Thomas Grice? Correct. There we go. Uh, my third, my sorry, third and fifth one was I made 41 stops on 42 shots to push us to round two. There you go. So good old Thomas Grice has 193 games played with the New York Islanders. Um, now ending his career likely with the Detroit Red Wings. Good job, Thomas, buddy. boy, Thomas Grice. Uh, an underrated and probably underappreciated at the time New York Islander. Oh, hard. Absolutely. No opposition from me on that one. So with that, let's get into the social segment. What's going around on Isles Twitter? Mitch, what do you got for us this week? So uh, first thing came up here is the uh, the Gagarin Cup has been won by the uh, Avant-Garde Omsk. Or, yeah, anyways. And so their assistant GM was a former writer, a hockey writer, Igor Aronko. Oh, became yeah, yeah, their yeah. assistant GM last year, and they won a championship. Good for Igor. I remember that name floating around. He was the one who basically said Ilya Sorokin wanted no part of coming here. That but is, that was because of Garth. That is correct. So imagine that. You're tippy-tappying away, doing your journalist thing. Obviously, more tippy-tappying, uh, more important tippy-tappying by him anyways. And then you become an assistant GM, and boom, you win a, a championship in year one. Wild. Living that'd the be dream. Lo- 
that'd be like if they added me to the Lou Lamarillo staff. And you just go like, hey guys, what if we tell the top line to shoot more? And they go like, who is this kid? What is yeah. going on here? And then boom, I don't baby. like this. New, yeah, I don't like this new guy. He's got these weird ideas. <laughs> these weird ideas. What do you got? Uh, my first one is from Fanatics Army, Isles Fanatics, and they put out a poll four hours ago. Are you starting to lose faith in trots? Yes or no? I want to ask you, what do you think the percentage was for yes? I hope to God it's less than 10%. It's 14. Okay, good. That I, I'm happy that 86% have voted no. Here's the thing. It seemed like we were critical of him early on, and, and I think we were in a sense, but you can be critical and still want that same person in charge. Like, neither Mitch nor I in this episode or in the show or on the website want Barry Trotz removed because we think he's doing a bad job. He's not. We just would like a certain area to improve, and I think you have to differentiate between the two because sometimes that gets confusing for people. Yeah, I... The only way that Barry Trotz is fired is if Scotty Bowman is ready to come out of retirement at like, what is he, 85, 90 almost? If he's ready to come out of retirement in, in Man and Bench again. That's the only person I will fire. I would gladly say, let's fire Barry Trotz for right now. Yeah, and that's not happening. So we're <laughs> not, completely content with Barry. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not like, let's say, super over the moon. I don't like some of the decisions that he's making with some of the lineups, but. It is. He's clearly trying to do something while working within the frames of context that he knows should result in a win. Uh, and, it, and if anyone knows that, it's the third winningest coach in the NHL history. Exactly. So it's just not working. And like, look, sometimes you're putting a square peg in a round hole and he's got it to fit sometimes just out of sheer will and determination. But like, it's just not working right now. No, clearly they're not not good at the moment. Uh, so my second one here comes from Goldblum Rules, which is no no lies detected on that. Um, should be a penalty, but Tom Wilson deserves way worse than that, so I'll take the no call. For frame of reference, this is in uh, discussion of the Scott Mayfield quote-unquote cross-check slash interference on um, Tom Wilson. Mayfield did not get a call, did not get called for a penalty there, probably should have, but like Goldblum Rules says here, um, when it's got, when it's sorry, when it's Tom Wilson coming down at you, you have to defend yourself. You have to get ready, which is unfortunate for the other player, the quote unquote victim in this scenario, because you have to get ready and you have to essentially take a penalty because Tom Wilson will probably run through you. So it's either I take a two minute penalty or this guy tries to kill me. And he went for the penalty, and I don't say that I blame him. No, and he didn't get one, so like I'm kind of glad he didn't. But like I don't want to see any Caps fans, and I know there's one that keeps bugging me constantly um, that are going like, "Wow, well, should have been a penalty." Yeah, it should have been. But like, think about it for a second. He only did that because it's Tom Wilson. If it's anyone else, there's no way that's coming. So just think about why he's got to make that decision in a split second. Like, oh crap, it's Tom Wilson. I better cross check this guy across the collarbone to save my life. That's bad. That shouldn't happen. No, yeah, he just put himself in essentially a self-defense mode, which is no good. Exactly. So like, yes, it should have been a penalty, but yes, Tom Wilson shouldn't be a bag of trash. <laughs> trash bag. I'm the trash man. Okay. Um... <laughs> I just always think of that meme now anytime I hear trash. Uh, 
This one's from our friend of the show, Rob Taub, says, Great quote from the legendary Bob Nystrom on New Talking Isles podcast about where he remember about what he remembers about the cup parade down Hampstead Turnpike. He says, I still have about 12 of the beers thrown at me here in my basement. Wow. Phenomenal quote. <laughs> Amazing quote. That That's a lot of beers thrown. What the hell was going on? <laughs> just tossing just beers on the tossing turnpike? Tossing beers to him. Well, yeah, I guess the, from the fans, tossing them beers. That's going to hurt. Not all of those are going to be accurate tosses. No. Yeah. Well, I, I would imagine that he's a pretty tough guy. I think he'll be fine if he gets hit with a stray Budweiser. <laughs> I hope those were cans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That could have got worse. That could have been real bad real quick. Uh, my last one here is from Matt at Frost underscore nerd, who says, not worried about Isles at all. The swoon is on as it was last year after the deadline as the team adjusts. It'll sort itself too well coached for this to sustain itself i hope so i really hope so i really appreciate the optimism i also hope so i can see it happening as i talked about with a number of people we we need a uh, winnipeg jets game and like i wasn't the only one to bring this up this has been brought up to me um remember a couple years back when they played winnipeg and they just all of a sudden boom figured it out jordan eberle last minute like scoring a bunch of goals they they need that again that was down the stretch of 2018-19. That was good. Yeah, we, we need one of those games. Hopefully, it'll be the Rangers because that's the next uh, one. On Thursday, absolutely. So before we go, just a couple of plugs. Wherever you are listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe, give a rating and review. That really helps us out a lot. We appreciate the love and support from you. You could also check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. $5 a month gets you post-game shows for each and every single game it gets you a mailbag show which we're going to record in the off season it gets you deep dives on topics and a whole lot of other fun stuff and a great community of islanders fans too let's go we got 14 questions and some of these are long Ooh, andrew parker went off on this one so like we got lots lots to get to in the mailbag on the patreon also don't forget earthechofoods.com slash minute media enter code minute 15 to get 15 percent off your order get some chocolate all up in you himalayan sea salt people come on yes don't want to forget that social media eyes on isles fs on twitter my twitter is matt o'leary ny mitch is over at tlo mitch facebook facebook.com slash eyes on isles you could also uh, download the fan-sided app and follow along with eyes on isles there or on the website eyesonisles.com for all your new york islanders needs mitch hopefully next week we're uh, a little bit more optimistic that'd be a lot of fun we could use we could use a win here buddy Absolutely. That's going to do it for us. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson, and we'll talk to you next time. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.